Nick is the host of the Landscape Photography Podcast, and this is a live episode of landscape photography podcast yeah. take it away nick and it's also being streamed live to youtube right now so you guys need to be extra like enthusiastic if i crack a joke <laughs> all right wow so i'm sitting down with sean bagshaw ian plant and michael shane bloom and you're listening to the landscape photography podcast So we are live in Oregon. We are in Newport, Oregon. We've all been photographing seascapes and forests and lighthouses. We've all been photographing in the rain, giving all of these beautiful people a, a taste of what it's like to be in the Pacific Northwest, getting completely soaked. Now you see why everybody wears a raincoat in the Pacific Northwest. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with these guys, because I don't, I want to hear their voices, not mine, is some of the things that came up often in our excursions. A lot of times when we're leading these excursions and we're dealing with different groups of people, at least I find myself repeating the same things a lot. You know, I'm giving the same advice to different groups of people and I wanna see what kinds of advice these guys have been giving in their excursion. So Ian, who also has to leave a little bit early today, he's going to abandon us. We'll yeah, I, I apologize. It's, uh, I have to catch a flight and uh, I just wanna say ahead of time before I leave that it's been an absolute pleasure meeting all of you. I'd say I made a, a lot of new good friends, but it feels more like family. So thank you very much Aww, for making this an awesome conference. This guy. <laughs> He's so sentimental. He, he gets he gets really emotional I'll, with these things. I'll probably start crying. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's mainly because I'm just so exhausted right now. <laughs> uh, so I think the most common question that I, I got uh, while leading excursions here was, I've fallen, can you help me up? Uh, as, as you know, the Oregon coast is a very slippery place. But uh, you know, the most common thing that I see when I'm uh, leading workshops uh, generally, uh, the most common bit of advice I give to people is to get closer to their subject, to their yeah, foregrounds, absolutely. particularly in landscape. Uh, you know, a lot of folks uh, tend to just kind of shoot at eye level, and uh, I think it's you know part of the biggest challenges is convincing people that the world is much more interesting when you're a foot away from your foreground subject, and it's the key to making really dynamic and compelling composition. So I'm always saying, closer, closer, closer. Get, you know, just get in your face. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite things was actually physically dragging people down to the water and force them to get <laughs> you know knee deep in the water. Not only is it fun and exhilarating, but you end up getting a lot more impactful shots because the viewer, as they view that photo, feels like they're in the water with you. I love that about seascape photography. How about you, Sean? Uh, I get a lot of questions on shutter speed, like what kind of shutter speed. I think uh, you know for people that live maybe on the West Coast or the East Coast or somewhere where you photograph uh, on the shore a lot, you've mm -hmm. had time to practice that and you kind of have a, an idea of what different shutter speeds do with different water motion and waves and that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of the folks maybe that are out here on the Oregon coast for the first time, that was a real new idea for them. Like, oh, okay, my shutter speed really matters in a different way than it usually does. And what is the right shutter speed? So that was a big question that came up a lot. And um, my answer to that is always all of them. Just try a lot of different shutter speeds and experiment and have fun with it. And then um, go back and look at your images later and see which one you like, You know, yeah. which one did it uh, the way you wanted it. Yeah, and kind of like what I was talking about in my multiple rants, <laughs> 
<laughs> during this during this uh, conference is how much shutter speed plays a role in like the feeling and the energy of a shot. You know, that slower shutter speed oftentimes gives a more calm, peaceful feeling. Um, you know, a really long shutter speed, minutes long, it feels like there's zero movement, zero anything. But if you have that faster shutter speed, it's a bit more of that frantic energetic feeling and it's amazing how much that shutter speed has an influence on the the feeling and the energy of a shot how about you michael so i've been here a few days at you know i wasn't initially part of the conference but i just uh, stopped in to say hi he on the way the party <laughs> up through oregon he's, so thank you so much he's for just the, here for the free food <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much for the warm welcome it's been it's been really awesome the weather played a pretty interesting role here right i mean a lot of the times when when we're shooting landscape photography, especially early on, we kind of think, well, it's raining, it's really windy, it's really cold. I don't think I'm gonna go outside. I think I'll stay inside and edit other pictures. But, you know, I, I know, at least for myself and the, probably these guys too, we look at the really windy conditions and all the rain and we're like, you know, this is kind of exciting. I think we're gonna get some good stuff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> really poor weather can make for really interesting uh, situations like big waves and, and moody skies. So, you know, I. I definitely encourage people, if it looks like the forecast is bad, maybe try and go outside. Just make sure to cover your camera, especially if it's a, mm -hmm. especially if it's a Sony. I just want to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Just want to point out, Michael, that literally the moment you started speaking, the sun came out. You could see it coming yeah. through the window there. Well, we got to stay inside now. Here the comes conditions the aren't bad sun. enough. <laughs> you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of amazing things about these conferences, and we'll talk a lot about that. But one of the challenging things when we're all going out and we're all shooting in the mornings and the evenings is that we have to kind of spread out the group and because we're spreading out the group we're kind of committed to a location and one of the things that I'm sure these guys will probably agree with on some level is that when the weather gives you one thing you have to react and adapt to it one of the beautiful parts of the Oregon coast is the fact that like if you get a big beautiful sunset you can obviously go photograph just about anything it's gonna look great but you know you'll, you can head down to the beach you can work with the reflections the wide-angle compositions but when the weather doesn't give you that a place like the Oregon coast gives you options you know you can you can go into a forest when it's foggy you can do all kinds of things what are Sean what are some of the things that you like to do to make the most of a photo trip or a you know you have a little a small window of time to do photography how do you make the most of it well i think um you know it's one of those things when you're on a photo trip short or long uh one of the great things is is that if it's a real photo trip uh you don't have anything else to do so <laughs> right. yeah. one of the great things that maximizes for me as a photo trip is basically just being able to hang out all day from you know before sunrise till after sunset mm -hmm. and when that moment comes like the sun just came out there for a minute and just be ready to act whenever that happens and that's why I find that when I am on a dedicated photo trip and I have nothing else to do um, I'm always amazed at just about any day any type of weather any location uh, there's there's opportunities if you just stay out there and be you know kind of be in the, the moment with it and watch However, like when, when it does rain really hard, like we had that rain uh, the last <laughs> day or so, um, it, it becomes really hard to yeah. make even, you know, no matter how long you wait around to make a photograph or even to just keep water off your lens. Um, but I will say that places like on the Oregon coast with harbors and things, I had a group yesterday morning, 
which was awesome. We went out in the rain. It rained the whole time, but we were on the Newport Harbor. We were there before dark. There was no sunrise, but they uh, they light up the harbor. It's a working harbor with harbor lights, and it was beautiful. We got great yeah. photos. Really great. So there's yeah. always something you can find. Like last night, I took my group down to photograph the bridge from multiple angles because <laughs> we, we ended up hiking down one side. Well, let's go to the other side. Oh, no, let's go back to the first side. But even though we weren't going to get any kind of sky, any kind of you know interest in the sky, you can kind of make the most of the conditions just by thinking about what will be photogenic in these conditions. And we were, weren't given much for sky, but I knew that once we were kind of in blue hour, all of those lights would start reflecting off all the wet sand and all the wet rocks and stuff. And we ended up getting, I think, pretty good images. I haven't actually looked at them, but I'm assuming we got some good images last night. Ian, maybe talk a little bit about adapting with weather and how important that is for, for maximizing your your fruitfulness, your productiveness. Yeah, I mean, weather is absolutely the most important thing for landscape photography. Uh, composition is also absolutely the most important thing for <laughs> the most the three most important things for landscape photography now, for all of us I think weather plays a key role I, I like to tell people that that moisture is the secret to great landscape photography because moisture creates clouds creates uh, stunning atmospheric events like rainbows uh, you know water as an element of a composition can be really powerful reflections are always a great uh, thing to do. So I'm always very religious about checking the weather. And in particular, I get excited when storms come through in and out. I mean, granted, you're gonna have some time where you're just getting rained on and maybe you can't be that productive, but it's the edges of these weather systems that uh, really bring the most unique and compelling uh, conditions for landscape mm -hmm. photography. And it's just so important with so many grand landscape near far scenes to have something interesting going on in the sky. The clouds create shapes that you can use in your compositions and you can find interesting foregrounds that will mirror or complement those shapes. And if you're lucky at sunrise and sunset, the clouds will capture color, bounce a lot of that color down into the landscape. That's when you're gonna get the most stunning landscape yeah. photos. So, uh, you know, absolutely. I pray for bad weather, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I always say that you know the tourists love the sunny days, but photographers hate them. So yeah, absolutely. How about you, Michael? Yeah, definitely uh, bad weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to kind of adapt to whatever the situation is too. Like if you book a trip a year in advance to go somewhere really interesting, and then it looks like it's going to be clear every day, you're going to have to deal with that. And you could sit in the hotel and just kind of do nothing, nope. or you could try and make it work to your advantage and, and get images out of it. And sometimes you'll find that, you know, in, in those conditions that you weren't expecting, you might take images you're really proud of. Clear days, if, if you're not getting those skies that, that you were hoping for, maybe try and shoot things that don't rely on the sky, and, and you can get some interesting abstract images, especially in places like, like Death Valley. Um, a lot of images there, you don't really need a sky, you just kind of look down at, at the different rocks and the patterns. And I would just say, depending on what, you know, whatever the conditions give you, just try and work with that. And I know it's, it's hard sometimes because you think about your trip and you're like, I have this set goal of what I want to capture. You have these images in your head and it's hard to get away from that. It's hard to break from that and find something new. But you know, I didn't, I'd encourage you if you go on a trip, just kind of work with what you got and 
can make something really cool. Yeah, good photographers like these guys that I'm lucky enough to be sitting next to, they they are so good at just rolling with the punches of the conditions. Um, uh, I see it a lot when I get to shoot with people like these guys is that when you get four photographers, four serious photographers all sitting in a coffee shop like conversing, all they're really doing is like scrolling on a weather app like that. Yeah, and they're just constantly obsessed with weather. And for me, like interesting weather is what excites me. You know, I can I can go to pretty much any average compositional place. You know, it could be a hill with a tree, but you give me some like really dramatic weather rolling through that scene, and it completely changes the the feeling and the impact of that that place. So another cool thing about being at these conferences, whether you're a participant or an instructor, is just getting to like rub elbows with all of the amazing people here. We have people like you know Aaron Bobnick. We got Gavin Hardcastle over here. These guys. What are some of your takeaways? from just like shooting with the participants and shoot and hanging out with some of the other instructors like are are there any memories what, what memories would you like to share Ian <laughs> like let's try to get sentimental here what, what memories do you have or what key takeaways do you have of like this week in terms of the participants here I've just been really impressed by everyone's enthusiasm and optimism even when the weather went uh, really bad <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I also, with the other instructors, it's great to see so many different perspectives. Uh, you know, everyone's got a different way of approaching things. This is really just a creative mixing bowl when you're in one of these conferences, and especially the the way that they're running things here with the Out of Chicago conferences. There are a lot of opportunities for folks to mix, rub elbows, trade ideas, yeah. just get out there and be creative, uh, which is probably why we're all so ex exhausted right now. Yeah. And uh, actually, at, on this note, I'm going to have to say my goodbyes so I can go and catch my flight. <laughs> uh, so it's been an absolute pleasure rubbing elbows with all of you in the Creative Mixing Bowl. Uh, but I, right now, I literally have to get as far away as humanly possible from everyone. So, <laughs> But it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. And thank you, Nick, awesome. for having me on. I wish that we could all make like a dramatic exit like that. Like, <laughs> you're just gonna clap for all of us at the same time. It's not gonna be quite the same. Right. Um, well, why don't we have Gavin come sit in this seat? Oh, imagine. I do. What? <laughs> Those are beautiful shorts you have. Yeah. There's a reason why I look like this. <laughs> There's a reason why I have makeup on. Gavin, you had like 45 minutes you couldn't put on pants. It's pretty much just his Thursday attire. Uh, yeah, so so Gavin, what, what key takeaways do you have of, from your time here? Like, Are there any particular shoots that stand out to you or anything like that? Well, it turns out that uh, I'm now addicted to wave photography because I've never really seen waves like that. Or, or been lucky enough to shoot those. And I remember that very first morning that we, we went out, and I could see some of the guys that I was with over there. It was, um, it couldn't have been more perfect. I must have shot nearly 3,000 frames. And so now that's like, it's just ignited this new passion. Yeah. So I'm going to be probably chasing waves now for the next few days. And that's something that I'll take with me. And I think it's going to be a, an ongoing passion. So, and it was really good to see you guys go through the exact same experience and be like, oh. I mean, yeah. there was one point where we were just cheering as if it was fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's, uh, that's a magic moment that I got to share with you guys. And uh, yeah, it's a new addiction. And then of course, hanging out with you, Rabble, that was, that was quite fun. Uh, and it turns out that Sean Bagshaw is the funniest guy <laughs> in the world. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's going really. to there's definitely going to be a photo tripper episode coming from this yeah, this week, I you'll, think. You'll enjoy that. Oh. How about you, Sean? Well, you know, I always say when I do anything like this is that I love coming to these things because if I wasn't here, I'd be out there, you know. Um, I'm just a geek with a camera, and I feel always, when I come to these, like, these are my people. These are all the people that like what I like. You're all geeks, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for, for me, I just love being able to be here and meet all of you yeah. and, you know, everyone. We, we just like this thing called photography, and it's so fun to be able to get together and share that with each other. Super fun. Had some great experiences out with different groups, but I think... Um, I think the one that was really special was uh, Gavin and I went down to Thor's Well at Cape Perpetua, and all the high tides were in the middle of the day this this week. So we thought, well, let's just go down there in the middle of the day. The light probably won't be good, but at least we can see Thor's Well doing its thing that it does. Um, but we got there, and there was this kind of bright, kind of highlight overcast, but with some texture in the sky. The, uh, the waves in the well were perfect. They weren't dangerous, but they were very uh, photogenic and waves on the other rocks and things. And so we got a lot of people out there right up on the edge of Thor's well. And it was I, I think it was a really fun, exciting experience. Everyone yeah. came away from that just kind of on this real buzz. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's my favorite part of, uh, especially like leading workshops along the coast and stuff is just watching other people experience that stuff for the first time. Because, you know, when you get a shoot it a lot you kind of forget how exciting it was the very first time and you know I took a group to the seal rock and just taking people down in the water and like when they first get in their eyes are all big and they're like oh, I don't know if this is a good idea Nick <laughs> <laughs> and one guy and uh, just watching that you know that bug-eyed like look of concern slowly turn into just a ear-to-ear -ear grin and they're like and liking the the movement they're seeing on the back of the camera and then watching their cameras get splashed and destroyed. But that's a, <laughs> that, that's a little bit of an evil um, joy for me. But uh, just, I love seeing the enthusiasm and the excitement. Uh, it's it, I feel like we all kind of feed off of it. You know, those mornings when you don't really want to get up, it's made better by watching how excited other people are about stuff. How, yeah, how about sure. you, Michael? Yeah, I think I think my favorite thing so far through this has has been hearing everyone's stories. Like I think about how I got to photography and how I kind of fell in love with it and made it my life and then just hearing everyone else's stories and where they got here or how they got here was just really interesting and then yeah. you know also with social media it's like I know all the professors already before meeting them and but it's just, you know, it's a little picture and and you know they're typing and it's cool to actually you know, talk to everyone and, and have those real connections. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really absolutely. Cool. It's so much fun just being surrounded by other people that share your same interests. And we're all here to have fun and enjoy ourselves. And it's just an awesome atmosphere. So we're going to pass the microphone around for anybody that has a question for the panel. Um, so if you do have a question for the panel, raise your hand. We'll bring a mic over. Are we able to also take questions off the YouTubes? Maybe grab a couple off of there and we'll do 
whatever we got to do. So who, anybody have a question? It's going to be real awkward if nobody has a question. <laughs> <laughs> so please, God, have a question. Come on, Nick. You're the question guy. Nick can keep it rolling for <clears throat> hours. Sure. All right, we have a question. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. I guess my question is, um, you know, Gavin Hardcastle said, you know, he's never seen waves like this before. And clearly you've all have been to those, and I'll use the term iconic, you know, the Icelands and all these other different places. So if there's one place in the planet that you oh. like to go shoot. I hate this question. I know you do. <laughs> um, but if you had the opportunity, given given the the, uh, the opportunity, where would you go? Of the places we have been or haven't been? Haven't, haven't not been. Have Anywhere not been. you've ne not been yet. Mesa Arch. Mesa, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the way down the line, Mesa Arch. Right? Exactly. No. Mesa, Mesa Arch is pretty much like the only place I ever shoot. And, <laughs> and I hope to just continue to shoot Mesa Arch for the rest of my life. <laughs> How about you, Gavin? There's a place, there's a desert in Algeria. I think it's the Algerian desert. And um, Where'd they come up with that name? You don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't see that many pictures of it, but it's, it's very reminiscent of Monument Valley and mm -hmm. other parts of Utah, Arizona, Nevada. It's very similar to that, but it has a whole different exotic vibe to it. And, and I guess it's because you don't see that many pictures of it that when I, on the very rare occasion when I do spot one, it's like, oh... You know that feeling that you get where yeah. you see an image and it's like, it's almost like you, you, can, you can hear these bells ringing and these calculations go, okay, flight, car rental, perhaps a guide, hotels. Uh, yeah, that's going to be eight, eight grand minimum, you know, and, and it's, that's how fast it is. And, that, and it comes from one image that you'll see and that's it. You make, you're making plans and off you go. So that's, that's on my to-do list. But I'm sure like all you guys, right, and probably everybody in this room, I have a little text document on my computer that every time I go on any kind of social media, it's, oh, oh where's that? Where's, oh, add it to the list. And the list is ever expanding. I mean, if I live to be 2,000 years old, maybe I'll, I'll hit everything. But there's only so many places you can go, right? So you've got to prioritize. And, and also there's that, that thing about... Um, trying to be productive as a professional and especially as, as a vlogger, you've kind of got to be prolific. You've got to keep churning out material. Otherwise people forget that you're there, right? And so it's like this balancing act between keeping a high standard and also being able yep. to churn out a lot of material. And so your travel plans are often based on, uh, okay, how much can I get out of that trip? You know, if that trip is going to cost me 10 grand, and I only get one image, it could be the best image you ever take in your life. And then to me, that's worth it, right? But then at the same time, we're, we're also running businesses here. So, so there has to be a return on investment. So I actually am very envious of my clients because a lot of my clients who do my workshops or one-on-ones, they're usually a lot wealthier than I am. <laughs> and um, they're, they're often in a position where they could say, well, I don't care about losing money. I don't care about getting a return on my investment. It's all about getting that shot, that portfolio piece, or, or making that memory and getting that experience. So I'm very envious of people that are in that position because as a professional, we're kind of limited to, you know, we have to get a return on that investment. But uh, yeah. The Algerian desert. Check that out. Algerian that, desert. That was the longest answer to that question. <laughs> 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 Could ever. 
<laughs> we, we have a bunch of, uh, we're monitoring the feed on, right. uh, on your YouTube, YouTube channel. A uh, bunch of questions here. A lot of comments about Gavin, by the way. On the <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah all good. Makeup, all good. Yeah. Pink shorts? Uh, yeah, I think the shorts made it, yeah. yeah. One question here. How, uh, how do you protect uh, your camera gear in this kind of weather? What, what do you do? Uh, well, I don't. Uh, so because I shoot Sony, a lot of people ask me, well, how's the weather ceiling on that? And, you know, how many cameras have you killed? And while I haven't killed any Sony cameras yet, they most of them malfunction in some way. You've injured them badly. <laughs> I've, injured, I've injured their souls. Um, <laughs> I find that uh, the most important little tiny accessory that you can have for probably any camera when shooting around this salt water is to make sure that you have those little hot shoe cover things because inside that hot shoe you ha not only have electrical contacts but you have like that metal that's going to get super corroded and on sony cameras you actually have like a little you know set of contacts for all the little fancy mics that you can put in there so even though i had my cover on a little bit of water still got in there and it started like doing this accessory not accepted accessory not supported i, I know that some some people will shoot with like a rain cover, but honestly, it's so cumbersome to shoot with that that I never do. I just make sure that I have a towel or a microfiber towel handy to wipe stuff down if I do get splashed. Do you guys do anything different than that? I think that's pretty much the same. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm gonna go out and shoot, uh, if I decide it's worth it, then it's worth, you know, maybe potentially damaging a camera. I think, you know, I'm in a, we're in a different position than some people, you know, right. if that's the only camera. We just have 15 could, cameras we, on the shelf at home, so it's not a big deal. Right. No, well, not, not really. that so much, but it goes back to what <laughs> Gavin said is, you know, return on investment. If we're out to get a shot and yeah. we have to sacrifice or damage some equipment yeah. because that's kind of part of our work, um, that's one thing. Uh, but in general, uh, I just, yeah, try to be as careful as I can, keep it dry as much as I can, and if it's not good condition, Conditions, not, you know, it's not worth sacrificing a camera for. Don't get yeah, the camera out. Exactly. Um, but on the other hand, if it's amazing, but it might get a wave that comes up over and takes my camera out, that's a risk that I weigh and probably take it. Yep. We're, we're more sentimentally attached to the photo we get than the camera we use to yeah. get it. I yeah. Think. Cool. Any other questions rolling in? We got yeah, questions. There's actually a lot yeah. of questions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Eric. Sorry. You, you guys, guys are, are outnumbered. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, let's take another one from here. Eric is asking, uh, what's a top tip for transitioning from career to full-time photography? Uh, let's throw this over to maybe Michael. Oh, me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wake up, Michael. Did, oh, yeah, <laughs> Michael never transitioned. He was uh, born a professional <laughs> photographer. That, that's true. <laughs> Oh man, I, yeah, I may not actually have very much experience on this. <laughs> All right, how about one. Gavin? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing. I mean, any career change yep. is a scary thing. And I think, you know, most of the people that I know that have done this have, have been able to do it because either they have a, a very supportive partner that's, that's willing to carry them during that period of time where it really does take a few years before you start to yeah. to make a living let alone make a, a very good living uh, or if you have savings or if you have residual income of some kind like from a previous business or something like that I mean that's how I did it I, I, uh, I had a little bit of residual income from a previous career that, that still to this day gives me a little bit but it's not much you know but it was just enough 
that I could, you know, you, you, you do a few calculations, you make some adjustments to your, your income and your outgoings, and then you figure it out. But it's definitely something you shouldn't rush. No. And, if, and if you are going to go down that road, really plan it out or, or get a very rich partner like Adam <laughs> Gibbs. <laughs> uh, for me, when I first went full time, it was, it was a gradual thing. I was working my day job, you know, Monday through Friday. And then all weekend long, I was doing photo shoots. You know, I was photographing babies and families and weddings and stuff. And I was never comfortable or brave enough to leave my day job until I was actually making more during that weekend than I was during my week at my day job. And it was at that point that I was like, you know, how much further could I take this if I had Monday through Friday to, you know, market and to grow and develop? So it wasn't until I already had a successful photography business that I felt comfortable actually quitting that day job. Any other questions out here? So one of the joys as a participant is the experience of surprise, either like the surprise that I got into the water to take that picture or I, I got the picture. Is there anything about what, what you guys are doing? I know it's a business for you, but is there anything that you where you're getting the joy of surprise, which I think all of us as participants inevitably experience at least once during the course mm -hmm. of this conference. How about you, Michael? Yeah, every time I shoot. It's, a, it's like, I don't think I would do this as a career if it wasn't what I wanted to do every single day. I think that that's the only reason I, you know, it's just that much fun. <laughs> so yeah, I get surprised. I mean, every trip pretty much like big waves, even, even just yesterday going out for an hour and shooting the waves. It was just the excitement of, of seeing these crashing waves and the wind gusts and you had to hold on to the tripod yeah. so, so that the camera doesn't knock over. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just a blast. So there's, there's a lot of more practical ways to make money than to be a professional <laughs> photographer. Yeah. So really, in order to, to do it full time, you have to just breathe that life. <laughs> but it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, because if you don't have the passion to live and breathe and you don't get super excited every time you go out, you're going to burn out. You do anything that much, if you don't love it, you're going to get burnout. out. That's why we all hate day jobs. <laughs> uh, do we have any other questions, Roland? And we got one from yeah, YouTube. Yeah, uh, from Scott. What is the one thing you learned uh, in processing that helped your photography the most in processing? Sean Bagshaw. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I learned to uh, I learned to hang out with really good photographers. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think for me the thing in image developing, and that's kind of something that I really love about photography as much as the photography itself. And I don't think that's any secret that the developing piece is something I really enjoy and really get into. And I also love teaching it. Um, so I do thank the people who I learned from who were very kind to teach me. But um, I think um, for me, when digital photography started, I've been a film shooter. I was a very bad film shooter. Uh, realize, and I think I miss my my uh, generation. I should have been in the Ansel Adams darkroom, black and white era, because those photographers had the ability to develop their images. And then we went through kind of this period of time where it was a lot of transparency, slide film, that kind of stuff, where you you, did, you had to get it in camera, and that became kind of the mantra: get it in the camera. Um, but I was never a get it in the camera guy because I wasn't good at that. <laughs> and as soon as digital came along, I think the the thing that was the most energizing for me and freeing was the real realization that I could develop my images again at all. And really, uh, the opportunities were pretty much limitless. And that was 
so amazing to me. That's what really turned me into a photographer. You know, before that, I like to take pictures, but it was to try to document things. So that's not any one thing, but just that realization that I can do really whatever I want with my photos now. And so just trying to learn as much as possible and, um, and really take that to heart. Like, what do I want to do with my photos? Yeah. It doesn't have to be what the camera saw. Yeah, post-processing is like all about having this toolbox available to you. You know, you have this toolbox over here and, you know, when we first start using the tools in the toolbox, we're like, you know, smashing thumbnails and like we're <laughs> making a mess of things. But once you get better with all of the tools that you learn in post-processing, the more you know when and where to use them and how much. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, the, the, for me, the 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 enjoyment of post-processing is just seeing that little bit of growth and knowing what's possible and it completely changes the way you shoot. And when you first start to be out in the field and thinking about what's possible in post-processing and you have an idea like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make sure I focus stack this and, ex and get that darker frame for an exposure blend. And then you go back and you do it and it's a success. It's such a great feeling to know that you, like, you, you had that vision from the very start. It, like changes the way you shoot, changes photography in general yeah. for you. Um, it's just a really fun part of the process. Yeah, it's that realization that you have to shoot for your processing. Yeah. And when you have that processing knowledge, just like Nick said, when you're out in the field, it's liberating. And, and you already know, you already have visualized the steps that it's gonna take to put this image together when you get it back home in Photoshop. You shoot for your processing and when you've got that knowledge and that little bit of experience, it's almost like I can do anything now. You know, I, I've got all of my bracketed exposures. Perhaps you've, you've done a whole bunch of focus stacked shots. You've got everything that you need and you can just relax and know that that's on my hard drive and I can just make the perfect image from it later. So shoot for your processing. That's, that's why yeah. I always say. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Here's a question from Adam Gibbs. Oh, oh not uh, that guy. Uncle. No, we're not. <laughs> Next question. Uh -huh. No, bring it through. No, bring it through. Uh, what's What's more important to you, the image or the experience? Ooh, mm. that's yeah, a hard I gotta one. Think on this. Um, can I? Yeah. Are you ready well, to go? If you know, if you, I got yeah. I got that right. one. Uh, hands down, experience for me. The only reason I'm in photography was is because of the experiences. Uh, I started. I got in. I, mean, I was. I was a amateur mountaineer and climber, uh, and I was having experiences in the mountains in the wilderness. And those experiences were so powerful and uh, kind of life. Was this affirming. in the '60s? Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I am the oldest one up here no, by far. Um, that's true. But it was a waves back. Yeah, you don't. Anyway, but those experiences made me want to take photographs of them. And so now the photograph, if I get a good photograph that somehow communicates that experience, that's a bonus for me. But really, I go out and if I don't bring a camera or if I don't take it out, don't take a photograph, but I have an experience, that's the most important thing. For me, the the, yeah. the photograph is a nice kind of bonus and extra. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all had those mornings where the light might not have been great. We might not have even taken photos, but being out there was just a great experience. Like, yeah. not every 
great experience ends in a great photograph. Like sometimes you're just going out, like uh, our opening morning uh, before the conference started, a group of us went out to Seal Rock and we're all like climbing on the rocks and getting hit by waves and having a great time and nobody took a single photo, but it was an awesome morning. And there's lots of those kind of mornings where the I think the experience is more important than the photograph. Because the photographs will come when the conditions align, but the conditions are sometimes rare. The experience of being out there is more important to me. Yep. The only the only thing I'm going to add to that, though, is if it's a commission project. Oh. <laughs> and the image is a lot more important uh, yeah. than the experience in yeah, that right. case. Right. But for anything personal, it's, yeah. Stuff yeah, too. you can't can't really deliver an experience to a client, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. suppose. That. <laughs> All right. Do and we have... I was going to say, from what I know about Adam, too, and I know Adam for a long time, I'm guessing he's in the experience column as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, if there's no T, he's not in. All right, so uh, more questions out here. Keep them coming. We have one here. Of all the places that you've been to, which one is your most favorite and why? Oh, I don't like these questions. Yeah. <laughs> photography, <laughs> in a sense of photography, okay. Mesa Arch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably the most recent place I've been. That's the thing that sticks out. Like the, the most yeah. recent trip I've had are the most recent experiences. And so I usually, that sticks with me. You know, he, every place is unique, you know? Right. Like yeah. it, for me, like it's either the, it's the first time you go almost anywhere. Like there's something yeah. special about that first time you go to a place and the conditions align. So like, you know, I have so such sentimental attachment to like my first time in Iceland is my first time ever traveling outside the United States. It was just an incredible experience. I got to witness beautiful things in a new place. But I have that experience every time I go a new place. So it's hard for me to narrow it down to one one particular location just because for me, the excitement is seeing something new for the first time because that's uh, I'm not too nostalgic about stuff because I'm always looking forward to the next new thing, I guess. Got any more YouTube questions over here? Yeah, sure. Uh, David is asking, uh, do you find joy in other kinds of photography other than landscape? No. No. <laughs> no. No. I, ab I absolutely do. Um, I don't know about these guys, but obviously I shoot a few other genres. Like, I enjoy wildlife photography, although bears scare me. Um, and I love shooting sports just because it's so completely, it's a different skill set, it's a different experience than landscape photography. Landscape photography is very methodical and you're like trying to set up the shot in sports You're just frantically trying to keep up like it's always a, a trying to keep up not miss stuff be in the right place Oh crap. I have to run down the sideline to get down here, and you're just like a fly on the wall trying to react I'm of the belief that shooting other types of photography and other genres of photography makes you better at, at the stuff that you actually love so just because I'm a landscape photographer I actually get better when I shoot other genres because it, you know, it all feeds off each other. It's different skill sets and makes me a more rounded photographer. Yeah, it's getting out of your comfort zone, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I could definitely get into uh, wildlife photography if I could merely afford the lenses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Mac, we were, I was talking to Anne last night. I think I could maybe get into macro photography because you sometimes see these 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 macro photography artists that they're almost like miniature landscapes it's not just oh here's a dragonfly head you know it's, <laughs> here's here's two ants having a brawl over a twig or whatever you know and their scenes their, their little their little 
dramas unfolding. I love that kind of macro photography. So I could get, I could definitely get into that. Yeah. I think that also when you explore other types of photography, it helps you not to get too burnt out yeah. too. It's like trying something new that, that is completely almost like a mystery to you and it's something new to explore. And, and I find that it just gets the creative juices flowing when you do something different. Even if it's stuff that you don't plan on publishing just for yourself, you know, explore other types of photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll agree with what Nick said that definitely doing lots of different kinds of photography is a great way to learn and expand. And it's amazing the crossovers of the things you discover doing one type of photography that you can use in another type, but you wouldn't have learned it if you didn't do it. Um, and yeah, I, so I started out doing a lot of different things. Um, but now I do pretty much just like doing landscape photography because that's where, you know, that experience for me, it's about the experience, like I said. So those are the experiences, but I do like, you know, I, I like cityscape mm. and kind of, uh, architectural and cityscape photography. But I, what I notice is I tend to shoot cityscapes like a landscape, right. you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's canyons or it's mountains or, you know, that kind of thing is I'm looking at it that, like it's a landscape anyway. Um, I hate wildlife photography because every time I try to photograph an animal, it just points its butt at me. <laughs> Does anybody else have that issue? I have so many pictures of animal butts. So I just quit. He gets no respect. At no. So let's take one more question, whether it's, so let's take one more from out here. Once you have that image, how do you promote it? Uh, do you try to sell it, or you just put it up on your web page, and if someone wants it, uh, that's good? Do you try to get into galleries? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you'd like to make money selling that picture, uh, but uh, yeah. how do you promote it? I, I tried all those things, um, <laughs> and actually, all of those. It really, I, I think, depends on uh, you know what are your sensibilities and what are your interests and what are you willing to put your time into. Uh, I know people that make a great living selling prints, even though it's I think harder now than it's probably ever been. Right. But I know photographers who focus on that and have a good strategy for selling prints can do a good job selling prints. For me, promoting is just getting my work out there and I do a lot of work, but I tend to just work for myself. But, um, every once in a while, you know, print opportunities or licensing opportunities come along. Fortunately, the education and, and the teaching piece of photography came along for me and that's the direction I've put most of my effort into. And so the image license, the image sales are a nice kind of side stream of income. So yeah, it looks very different. Um, the way I do it is I have a website, there's social media, you know, sometimes I do gallery shows or um, things like that and it's, it's great, but I, I don't put Put in nearly the amount of time I would have to quit all the teaching and coming to conferences I think mm -hmm. to make my money solely off of just selling my images how about you Michael yeah just putting it out there as many places as possible so social media is a good way of getting images out there but I think as far as selling images what's really helped me is to create collections out of the trips that I've done like create a portfolio of images that I can tell a story with. Like I can tell a story about a series of images from a trip and it, and there's a little bit more meaning there when, you know, it's going to be potentially shared by, by companies and shared by, uh, or not companies, but, um, like news sites and things like that. They're, they're going to look at the story and want to post that as an article. And that ends up getting images in the eyes of, uh, potential clients. A lot of the times social media it's it's harder to license images through social media um, but agencies are 
checking out news articles and things like that online. So I found that really helpful. And I just try and drive as much traffic to my website as possible, you know, mm-hmm. taking, taking images, posting them on social media, but saying, you know, Hey, if you want to check out the full gallery and see more of the story, check out the website. So yeah. I try and do that a lot. I really yeah. like that full gallery approach because there's a lot of people that just are pretty photo collectors, you know, and we have a bunch of photos from all over the place and it's not, very cohesive and together, and you get such a better story uh, from that gallery collection. That's something that I really like. So why don't we go down the line and kind of talk about maybe the one thing that we would like to leave people with, either from one of our talks or stuff that we found ourselves saying to participants often. Gavin, what is the one thing that you want people to remember about you from this week? Uh, Is it the glitter? Is it the glitter? Is it the lipstick? lipstick? Was it the fairy wings? I don't know if it, I don't know if I want people to particularly remember anything about about me, um, but I, but I think um, I think the only legacy that you can leave on the human race long after you've disappeared is to have inspired people. So if you can post pictures or write books or whatever it is that you create, whether it's making a film, whether it's writing a piece of music, whether it's posting a picture, if you can inspire other human beings to wow I, I want to do that 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 gives me purpose then that's the that's the best gift you can give to to the human race and it's the only form of immortality that you'll ever get to experience so that's what i would say my god you went deep with that i got, <laughs> I got goosebumps he's, i actually got yeah, goosebumps he's, he's going straight yeah. to immortality yeah gavin hardcastle on the serious side exactly <laughs> How about you, Michael? Well, you you have to follow that. <laughs> Are you going to offer us immortality? <laughs> I don't, uh, honestly, I, I would just, you know, with, with your photography, just, just try to be open to new possibilities and just play around and be creative. Have fun. Because really, that's, I think that's the most important part is just to have fun, be creative, express yourself. Um, you know, put a piece of yourself into your artwork and try new things. Because I know there, there was definitely a little time you know, when I was getting started, where I put myself in a box, I, I thought that, you know, my audience only wanted to see one kind of picture from me. And I was, I was kind of like stopping myself from being creative and expressing myself. And, and then I started being like, I, I want to work on something different. I want to create images that are a little bit different. And I was so scared to put them out. And, yeah. you know, I talked to a friend about it. And he was like, just do it, man. Just put the images out. What's the worst thing that could happen? I'm like, I'm afraid no one's going to like them. And then I ended up putting the images out and, and people were like, wow, this, you know, pe- people, people really connected with, with the new work that I was doing. And, and yeah, I was just scared to, you know, put this new work out there. So, you know, just don't be afraid, play around, have fun. And you never know something that, <laughs> something new that you try out that could seem maybe a little weird at first where you're like, oh, that's kind of a weird picture. You never know. People are, people might really like it. So just play around, have fun. Awesome. Take more pictures. I think my, uh, if I'm going to give a takeaway, I would say um, it's be in the moment and, and enjoy the process. Uh, I think it's really easy in photography um, to get wrapped up in all of the tech and the minutia and the rules and the how's it supposed to look and am I doing it right and do I have the right camera and you know all of that stuff am i in the right place am i going to the place that you're supposed to go to photograph and it's easy to get wrapped up in all of that or also get focused on some end goal like you know when i get to be able to 
do this, then I'll have made it as a photographer. And I always try to not think in those terms. I try to think in the terms of, I do this because I like it, it's fun, I enjoy meeting other photographers and being able to interface with people on something that we have a common shared interest in. And to me, that is the thing. So enjoy the process. Every moment I'm doing it, that is the reason. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing it right or wrong. It doesn't matter what camera I have. Um, I mean, those are all details that are involved. But the main thing for me is be in the moment, enjoy the process. And I also want to take this opportunity, because I don't know if we'll get another chance to say thanks to the Out of Chicago yeah, crew for doing absolutely. this. Yep. Chris, um, yeah, everybody, Ann, Bob, Melinda, you guys are amazing. This has been a wonderful experience. You guys really do a good job. It really has. And like everybody sitting here right now has just been so positive and so kind. And it's as instructors, we really feed off of your enthusiasm. <laughs> we are like enthusiasm vampires. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, Chris, for having us. And I guess we'll end it here. Thank you guys for joining me on this talk. And Thanks we'll so see much. you guys yeah. in the next episode. Yeah. So take it easy, everybody. All right. Thank you.